0: Innocent until proven guilty. It's a bedrock of the United States legal system. But hundreds of thousands of people sitting in jails across the country have never been convicted of a crime. And for many of them, the only reason why they're incarcerated is because they can't pay bail to grant their release while they wait for trial.
1: Some people call this a security. I think a more accurate way of describing it is ransom.
0: The use of cash bail is controversial across the United States. And during a pandemic, it has become deadly as COVID-19 spreads through incarceration facilities.
1: There's no such thing as a good time to be awaiting trial in a county jail. It may also be that there's never been a worse time. COVID-19 is sweeping through the country's jails and prisons.
0: So how are organizers campaigning to end cash bail while freeing the people it keeps behind bars? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. To learn more about the issue of cash bail, I talked to someone who works for a fund fighting against it. My name is
1: Nabiha Macbool. My day job is a civil rights attorney. But when I'm not doing that, I work with the community-led bail fund called Believer's Bailout.
0: So before we get to the work of Believer's Bailout, let's talk about why the need for your work exists in the first place. There is the issue of cash bail. The U.S. is one of the few countries in the world that has such a system. Can you explain how it works? Absolutely.
1: The United States, across many jurisdictions, use money as a way to secure people's release, which means courts will let people go as long as they promise to pay a fee that will be returned when they appear again in court.
0: So say you get arrested. For many people in local jails, this could be due to something as small as a traffic offense, like driving without a license or having overdue fines.
1: Once someone's arrested, they're processed in a jail and they are added to the system and they are given a court date. Once that court date is set, however, a judge has the discretion to decide whether a person should be released on their own reconnaissance, knowing that that person will return, or the judge can choose to tell that person that they have to pay a bond to the criminal system to ensure that they return, For people who can't pay that bond, they will be relegated to staying locked up until their court date happens. They're required to be incarcerated before they've even had an opportunity for a trial.
0: And as a reminder, in the U.S., a person is innocent until proven that they are guilty of what they're accused of. Activists trying to end cash bail say it helps fuel inequality in the American legal system.
1: So the logic is, once a person has been charged with some kind of criminal infraction, they are hypothetically entitled to a presumption of innocence. But in reality, what cash bond does is it allows wealthy people to walk free before their trial. And it requires those who don't have that wealth to sit in a cage. If you don't have the funds, if your family or your community doesn't have the funds, then you are in a situation where you're forced to go to someone like a bail bondsman who will pay the bond for you and then extract more money for having to have done that service.
0: This private bail bond system Nabiha is describing is a $2 billion industry. A for-profit bail system allows companies to post bail for some detainees in exchange for a fee, usually about 10 to 15% of the bail. For-profit bail is just one part of the wide web of mass incarceration. And report after report has found that this system disproportionately ensnares people of color, especially Black people. That system includes jails, which generally house people who are waiting for trial or serving shorter sentences. It also includes prisons, which hold people serving longer sentences, as well as ICE facilities that detain people who are moving through immigration courts.
1: The U.S. incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. When you combine things like ICE incarceration, prisons, jails, there's an entire economy that is being made off of people who are incarcerated and money being taken from citizens to invest in these systems.
0: Bail funds, like the one Nabiha organizes with, help raise money among the community. That way, people who need to post bail can do so without paying high fees to for-profit bail companies. So the Believers Bailout campaign was created to help some of the people caught up in that system of cash bail, right?
1: How does the campaign work? Yeah. So Believers Bailout specifically was started by a group of Muslim academic women who realized that this bail bond system criminalizes people and in particular subjects them to anti-Muslim racism, anti-Black racism, and enmeshes them in the prison industrial complex and saw it as the obligation of the Muslim community to step up and do something by way of collecting funds to pay these bonds to allow people to go home to their families and communities while they await their trial, and fight their charges. Believers Bailout
0: is an abolitionist organization, which means they're working towards a world without prisons. And Nabiha says they emulate a lot of the other community bail funds that have been around for years, helping to cover costs in some of the 10 million arrests made annually in the United States. There are plenty of these funds. Some work with specific populations. A handful of moms celebrate their freedom. Part of a Mother's Day push to bail out parents who couldn't
1: afford to be with their families.
0: Many others became popular last year to bail out protesters arrested in the uprisings to demand racial justice.
1: A local organization has created a jail fund. Now there's a lot of groups like this popping
0: up across the country to help people arrested at these protests. Believers Bail Out focuses on Muslims who need to pay bail, and they ask other Muslims to help by using their zakat for the bail fund. So what is zakat?
1: So zakat is an obligation of Muslims to discharge a portion of their wealth, like a tax, and have it go to categories of people, including those who are poor people who have a burdensome debt, and also freeing people who are enslaved. And so many of us identify people who are being held in incarceration as those who are enslaved by their debts. How do you decide who to bail out? As abolitionists, we don't believe any person should be sitting in a cage, especially not because they're unable to pay the ransom that the system is charging them. But with the funds that we have, Believers Bailout looks for Muslim individuals who are being incarcerated.
0: And every year, they run a campaign during the fasting month of Ramadan to pay bail for incarcerated Muslims.
1: If you're Muslim and incarcerated, you're unable to do really basic practices, be it go to a Friday congregational prayer while you're incarcerated. For Ramadan, that means a lot of people are not being given their meals at the appropriate time so that they can partake in the fast safely. They're not given Qur'ans and other religious gear. And so because we know that Muslims are targeted and surveilled in these systems, we identify people that we can bail out.
0: In the three years that they've been operating, Believers Bailout says they've released more than 50 people.
1: The very first bond that we paid was for an individual who is the father of four. He had a job. He was supporting his extended family with it. He was then sitting in Cook County Jail for months before his trial because he didn't have the funds to pay his bond. When he was released, he was able to go back to his family, see his children, and he was also allowed by the court to then go back to work so that he could support his family. And I think this example really indicates what it is that pretrial incarceration forces people to do, which is it isolates them from their loved ones. It takes away resources from that individual and from the family.
0: And Nabiha says getting people home before their court dates helps them assess their legal options so they don't fall prey to accepting charges to crimes they didn't commit, just in the hopes of getting out of their predicament.
1: Once individuals are home, they're under less pressure to plead guilty to the charges that they've been accused of simply so they can get out faster. And it allows people to actually utilize that presumption of innocence and be able to fight their case.
0: And then there's perhaps the biggest benefit, not sitting in what is tantamount to a cage while they fight charges big and small lodged against them.
1: So believers bail out Primarily started with bailing out people in Cook County Jail in Chicago, which is the largest single site jail in the country. And if you've ever visited this building, it's this enormous complex of concrete, these units where people are caged right next to this enormous courthouse. Having been there myself, it's very daunting having to go through first security and then this labyrinth maze to get anywhere. And then Simply going to the waiting room is a series of pseudo cages. And so being able to be there and present to pay someone's bond, to have them released and have them walk out of this facility, not only is freeing physically, it feels spiritually freeing to get out of a place where you can't see the sky, walk out onto the street, just steps away and know that you are now back where you can freely move and hug your family. Having seen some of that myself, those reunions are both joyous and heart-shattering because they shouldn't have to happen at all.
0: Like Nabiha mentioned, the Cook County Jail is the largest single-site jail in the U.S. So when the coronavirus pandemic first hit the country, it quickly became a cluster for infections.
1: The rate of coronavirus at the Cook County Jail tonight, 50 times higher than the rest of the state of Illinois. The jail now considered to be the most infected single spot in the country.
0: By April of 2020, hundreds of people detained in the jail, as well as jail staff, tested positive for the virus. Detainees put signs up in the windows for people outside to see. The sign said things like, save us, and don't let us die. Cook County released some detainees, like Charles Woodhouse, to help deal with the overcrowding. Here's what he said to the Associated Press about the conditions he witnessed while he was incarcerated.
1: The virus is causing chaos. The, the, the detainees are losing their minds because they have less time to speak to their loved ones. As far as cleanliness, the place is just disgusting. I seen the guy, like, from completely healthy to ill. He was young. To like, my age, like, 25, 24. And he's just, like, destroyed. him. So, yeah, you, you, you see it.
0: Despite releasing detainees like Charles, more people are being held in Cook County Jail now than in the beginning of the pandemic. And the health crisis wasn't confined to jails. It also hit prisons and immigration detention facilities. And it was happening around the country. Some of the biggest COVID-19 outbreaks in the U.S. are in the prisons and jails that house more than 2 million people.
1: More Texas jail and prison inmates and staff have been infected and killed by COVID-19. Rikers Island in New York City's East River currently holds more than 4,000 prisoners. It is a toxic breeding ground for COVID-19. So the conditions at jails have been incredibly dire, and a lot of this is coming from people who are incarcerated and communicating their experiences to their families and advocates.
0: That's something that our colleagues heard while investigating a piece for the Al Jazeera show, Fault Lines. They looked into the outbreak in California's San Quentin prison, and they spoke with Belinda Morales, whose fiancé Marcos died of the virus while he was incarcerated.
1: I would tell him, are the guards wearing gloves or anything like that? And he said, mija, that's not going to happen here. He said, they don't care about us. I used to tell him, make a mask out of your socks. I said, because it's killing people.
0: When you're incarcerated, basic health protocols, like hand washing and social distancing, are out of your control.
1: Many people don't have access to basic things like soap or hand sanitizer. These are prisoners who are caring for their own health. And so when they're getting sick, they can only turn to each other because their requests for health care are completely ignored by prison officials.
0: has says the spread of COVID in these incarceration sites was something to be expected.
1: Jails and prisons and ICE facilities in this country have always been sites of public health emergencies. Particularly starting in the 1970s when there was a real crisis in mass incarceration, people have been crowded together in units that were never designed to hold more than one person. Any disease that gets introduced in these areas quickly spreads through the population.
0: And the spread from prisons into the rest of the population complicates the often-cited argument that mass incarceration
1: is necessary for the public good. Because if the logic of jails and prisons is that it's for public safety, the risk of infection to individuals and the subsequent spread to communities would create the exact safety risk that was trying to be avoided.
0: So... How has the pandemic changed the kind of work that Believer's Bailout does now?
1: First, it really put pressure on us to continue to bail out as many people as we could, as fast as we could. We were getting really desperate pleas from around the country.
0: Then in February, the Believer's Bailout community in Illinois, where Cook County Jail is based, had something to celebrate.
1: Illinois is now the first state in the country to abolish cash bail for people who have been arrested and are waiting for their court date. One real victory that was seen this year was a coalition of groups were able to pass the Pretrial Fairness Act in Illinois, and this is one of the most comprehensive pieces of legislation that addresses cash bond that has ever been passed.
0: The sweeping new law is meant to reshape criminal justice and policing in Illinois.
1: The bill ends cash bail, meaning those charged with the crime will not have to pay money to avoid detention before their trial. Moving forward, we think that this is going to be the method of community pressure to try to make states and local jurisdictions abandon this carceral system that only punishes people for not having money the issue of cash
0: bail has been on the national stage, too. U.S. President Joe Biden even included it in his campaign last year.
1: Joe Biden is out with a new plan to reform the criminal justice system with a specific focus on the cash bail system. Joe Biden, he refers to cash bail as the modern day's debtor's
0: prison. And he says that it disproportionately impacts Black and brown people. So I imagine for you and the other organizers behind Believer's bailout, ending cash bail is one of the goals, but it is not the end goal.
1: What is the end goal? So our goal is to not exist. We don't believe that cash bail should ever have to be paid and we shouldn't be raising funds from our community just to have individuals come home. But beyond that, as abolitionists, we believe that it's not just about the world we don't want to see, it's about the world we want to build. And here's an example of jails and prisons being these enormous places where our public funds are invested. And we want to see those funds invested in places that actually ensure our benefit and our health. And
0: that's The Take. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliyai with Ney Alvarez, Dina Kisve, Alexandra Locke, Priyanka Tilbe, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Tom Fenton is our story editor, Alex Roldan is our sound designer, and Stacey Samuel is our executive producer. We'll be back.